Jeff, Jeff, Jeff. Jeff, 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 Jeff. J-E-F-F, Jeff. J-E-F-F, Jeff. J-E-F-F, Jeff, Jeff, Jeff. Jeff Stein, our national and presidential expert. Noted author. You can find his books at Next Chapter Booksellers, totallyiowa.com. You can also find him at the Iowa Business Report and the Iowa Politics Report. How you doing, Jeff? I am well. Look at that. I even still get the theme music. It's just, it's it's even better than when Matt is here. Yeah, it was still him singing, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I, don't, I don't even want to think about how many he had before he pulled up the karaoke machine on that one. But uh, good to talk to you again. Yeah, yeah. Nice to talk to you, too. Um, so, yeah, I, I can't. It, it seems like a slow news week. I don't know what to talk about. Uh, uh, you know, the twins. Yeah, let's just talk about the twins for a half an hour. <laughs> no, what? So, people are talking about the strength of the uh, um, the uh, uh, thing about Trump. I, why can't I think of the name? The the uh, indictment. indictment. The indictment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I'm still drunk from celebrating yesterday on uh, <laughs> arraignment day. Yeah, the mm-hmm. people are talking about the strength of the indictment. Um, my opinion is that I don't think he would have brought the indictment if it wasn't very strong. And I've heard uh, some experts who kind of say that as well. But there are also people who are saying, I don't know if this is going to even go to court, you know, or, or go to trial. What do you think about that? Well, I've not reviewed it. I am mm-hmm. a lawyer, but I've not reviewed it. Um, the way the process works is, the prosecutor did not really bring the indictment. The grand jury right. voted to indict. And that's a key distinction. Now, could Mr. Bragg have stuck with his, his initial interpretation and not move forward? Sure. Uh, could he move to dismiss? Sure. But the reason a prosecutor brings material to a grand jury is to insulate herself or himself from bias. Right. Now, Having just said that, that's a kind of a, um, I don't know, idealistic view because the way the grand jury works is the prosecutor presumes, presents evidence. They don't present a defense. Mm-hmm. You can invite the targeted party. And in fact, Mr. Trump was, quote unquote, invited to participate. Well, 99% of the time, the person who is the target does not participate because you don't want to give the prosecution a hint as to what the defense would be. So basically it's a matter of people in a grand jury hearing evidence in the light most favorable for the prosecution and then deciding if it's enough to bring a charge. And they're going by the legal interpretation of the prosecution, um, you know, et cetera. So the concept that there was an indictment is not a shock. Because of how the system's set up. It'd be the same thing if it was Hennepin County and Matt McNeil was the defendant. The bottom line is, as long as you've got a grand jury situation, um, it's not a surprise that there's an indictment. Where mm-hmm. it goes from here is is the interesting part. Um, you know, will there be motions to dismiss? Sure. Will there be motions uh, to uh, force the judge to recuse himself because of a conflict? Of course. I mean, there, there are a whole host of things that, that you do in this situation. Now, I did a commentary the other day 
where once it was announced, uh, I said it was not a cause for celebration, and I don't care who you are, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of political spectrum, because I was hearing people on the right saying, well, this guarantees his reelection, et cetera, et cetera. Here's why it's not, to me, a cause for celebration, because either someone who 74 million Americans less than three years ago said should be the leader of the free world for another four years, if he did things that are felonious or criminal in nature, that's letting those 74 million people down. They may become disillusioned with the system. They may never come back in, and that would be tragic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Similarly, if it is as thin a case as many have asserted, many on all sides uh, have asserted, well, then that's also a sad day because it means that we have taken a fundamental premise of our society, the rule of law, and it has become political. Mm-hmm. So to me, um, you know, it's it's a spectacle, and I I don't care how it comes out in one respect. I don't have a dog in the fight, but um, it's it's um, it, it, it raises a lot of questions. And let's yeah. just see it play out because reality is, Todd, until yesterday, nobody knew what the charges were until it was unsealed. Right. Nobody really knows what the evidence is. We've heard all sorts of folks talk about the evidence, but it was a closed by definition. Grand jury is a closed situation. We don't know what's really out there. Right. And so for anyone to offer anything other than acknowledgement that there has been an appearance in court, mm, you know, um, it's it's all speculation. Yeah, I've. Uh, it, it's kind of turned out to be less of a spectacle than I think a lot of people were anticipating. Like we said, no. Marjorie Taylor Greene tried to make a big, a, a big event happen, and it just didn't happen. And uh, people didn't. There were more reporters than than uh, you know protesters or Trump supporters, yeah. and yeah. and uh, people didn't line the streets. Um, Trump didn't talk to the camera when he walked into the courtroom, and then you know cameras weren't allowed in there so it was kind of a non-event event in a way and and then it, it's not going to be taken up again until december <laughs> yeah. and uh so it's you know it in some ways the spectacle of it is going to you know i suppose disappoint some people but i think it's also going to tamp down some of the negative effects like that you were mentioning and mm-hmm. other other negative effects that might happen it's just kind of looking like you know it might be possible that trump is kind of fizzling out um and uh, uh so i had a, a question though that i think yeah. i wonder about and i think everybody wonders about and and you would know this when the grand jury – so there was 34 counts, and d- are those presented as thir- all 34 counts sort of individually to the grand jury, and then they say yes for number one and no for number two and yes for number three? Or or do, does the gr- jury itself kind of build those 34 counts? It's Well, it's a great question, Todd, and it's really kind of a combination because what the prosecution does is set out facts – or what they are asserting are facts with evidence. And then they say, here's what the law is. And now apply the facts to that law to see if there is a, a valid charge. And mm-hmm. so it's not quite this, it's it's not like here's a menu and necessarily checking all the boxes, mm-hmm. but realistically the way it was laid out to make them each individual, you know, each individual line on a form is an individual count. That was something presented by the prosecution that the grand jury then agreed with. 
That's okay. the short of it. And and that's this is what people get very excited about too. Uh, the the anti-Trump folks saying thirty four, however many it is, thirty four felonies. How many of them are tied to the same piece of paper? Right. Yeah. And so by the time you combine all of these things, it's uh, it's no different than in a criminal case if there are three or four charges and someone is convicted of three or four charges, but they all came out of the same set of facts, any sentences are often running concurrently, meaning at the same time as opposed to consecutively. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if it was, uh, you know, Matt McNeil who had 34 felonies, but they all had to do with the same course of action, the same set of facts, there's going to be one punishment. And it wouldn't be any different uh, if it's a former president of the United States. Right. So what is the process then? I, I also quite, kind of didn't quite understand. So December is pretty far off. And mm-hmm. uh, I imagine, you know, it's the the defense has to get their defense together but then they go to court on December 4th but they don't go to trial until if they go to trial until January so is December 4th when we would find out whether or not it's going to go to trial it there's a lot that can happen between now and then essentially what they do is here's your arraignment or right, here are your charges so they've set a trial date for January and then you count back x number of weeks for what's known as a pretrial conference Uh, And this is standard in all jurisdictions in one form or another. So the idea is that they make sure that all pending motions have been resolved, that um, there's no dispute about evidence, that – and usually in a normal criminal case, the judge would encourage the parties to reach a resolution of some kind so they don't have to waste the time of a trial. And so the December date is, in essence, the pretrial conference for a trial in January. Now, let's say the trial, for whatever reason, gets moved 90 days later. Then that December pretrial conference gets moved to be in close proximity with the new trial date. Mm -hmm. But what will happen between now and then, because that's all they have set right now. He's been arraigned. Here's a trial date. We always have a pretrial conference before trial. There it is. But between now and then, you're going to have, Todd, all of these motions. Um, Is it going to be a motion to dismiss because of statute of limitations? A motion to dismiss because it's not really a felony because there is no federal crime. The first thing, and it could be a motion uh, uh, for change of venue out of that jurisdiction or at the very least uh, asking the judge to recuse himself. What may come. And it sounds like all of those things are going to happen. It sounds like. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh Yeah. I mean, the, the lawyers are working by the hour. Yeah, and uh, right. <laughs> it's a flip. As a lawyer, that's a flip statement. But the reality is, all of those, you know, those are the defenses. The judge is biased. Uh, there's a statute of limitations issue. There's uh, no federal charge that could be bootstrapped to make this a, a state felony. All of those things. But the first thing that they're going to wind up filing, maybe contemporaneous, but is something called uh, an application for bill of particulars. And what that means—that's a legal pleading that you that you file that says the indictment the charging statement is not specific enough for Trump to prepare a defense so okay. for example in this particular situation they're saying that he falsified these documents to cover up a federal crime but they have not identified what the federal crime is right it could be tax laws it could be election laws And when Alvin Bragg was asked yesterday, why is the federal crime not mentioned? He said, I don't have to reveal that yet. 
Yeah. Well, he may not for the indictment, but he sure is going to have to in uh, the bill of particulars or else you're the Trump team saying we don't even know what the federal crime is. And the law, the, the rules of criminal procedure would not allow that. This is the part where and I don't want to make too much of this. But the fact that that federal crime was not mentioned in the indictment, as an independent observer, that would concern me about the propriety of the indictment. Because does it mean the grand jury had no idea what the federal crime was? They just took on faith there was a federal crime? In which case, that lends support for the thing being dismissed. Because of the fact nobody has actually approved or or gone along with the fact that there was a federal crime. Right. I heard a little bit about that last night, and and I heard one expert say that sometimes that's done because you don't want to strap yourself to something prematurely if you are the Mm -hmm. prosecutor. You you have a little bit of room to to move and, and, and take your time to think about, you know, what's going to happen in the next step. So sometimes that is happened, uh, that is done on purpose. Is that correct? Sure. Yeah. Well, it, it is correct that you don't want to show your cards too soon yeah. if you're the prosecutor. Right. But when the whole premise of the state felony is that it was to cover up a federal crime, what's the federal crime? Because if you're the defendant in this case, mm-hmm. It's a very different defense if you say it is an election law as opposed to tax law. And so you have to ultimately be told enough. So here's where the conspiracy theory comes in, if you're primed for that. Uh, the, The conspiracy theory is that Bragg knew he could get an indictment. I'm so sick of hearing you can indict a ham sandwich. But the idea is you could, you could, he could get the indictment. Yeah. And that clears the way for Atlanta, yeah. for whoever's handling the document case. In other words, somebody had to go first yep, and kind of, you know, just kind of break the ice that Trump could be indicted. Exactly. This could be the this could be the sacrificial lamb case. This could be the straw man case. Right. This could be the case where they filed it. Now the dam has been breached. They don't care. They'll never pursue this if there is an indictment somewhere else, because now we're all used to seeing it. Right. And again, is that uh, I don't know, Todd, is that deep conspiracy thinking? I don't know. I don't I don't think so. I don't think so at all. I I don't think it's conspiracy thinking. I I think it's um, fairly reasonable because also, you know, and if that does happen that way and if if that is correct, then some of these other things like the, you know, some of the more obvious things like, say, the. Classified documents at Mar-a-Lardo is what we're calling mm-hmm. it here now. Mm-hmm. Um, it, <laughs> the, if that's the case, then people are going to just kind of forget about this one, <laughs> you know, by the time well, everyone's talking about that one. Well, and again, that's the thing where we have never had – I mean, you know, this is not, not a news alert. Everyone is, listening knows this. Prior to this situation, there had never been a criminal indictment of a sitting or former president. Right. Including Nixon. Okay. Right. So now that we have, we have that, okay, the China's broken, if you will. Right. All right. So now uh, does that take some of the subconscious limitation off of these individuals? Yeah. I don't think that's the case with the prosecutors. The prosecutors, if they're doing their job, they're ferreting out what they think is the truth and presenting it to, uh, to a judge or to a grand jury. Right. So it's not going to necessarily sway a prosecutor. Right. Would it sway a grand juror? 
Right. Mm, yeah. That's that may be part of it. Well, say uh, we need to take a short break and then sure. we'll come back. We'll talk a little bit more in that line of things. You're listening to AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. We've got Jeff Stein on the line during the Matt McNeil show. I'm Todd Mickelson sitting in for him. We'll be right back. You're just another recovering heart. I wasn't even going to try. AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. I'm Todd Mickelson, back in the saddle, sitting in for Matt McNeil on the Matt McNeil Show. We've got Jeff Stein on the line, and I'm sure you can figure out what we're talking about if you uh, haven't heard yet. Uh, So, Jeff, um, you said, you know, we've never had a former or sitting president indicted. We have had a sitting vice president indicted and actually, you know, convicted um, and, and he was doing the same thing Trump does. He was doing the whole, you know, this is a witch hunt there. This is a political thing. This, I, I didn't do anything wrong and all this stuff. And he had a lot of followers, uh, doing the same thing. It was very much like going, I, I saw a video of, uh, somebody had a microphone on the street talking to people and they were all saying, no, he's a great guy They're I, they're doing this to him. You know, they're weaponizing the government. This is all, you know, exactly the same thing as like taking a microphone to a Trump rally back in 1973, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that has any, you know, can can we use anything we learned from that in this thing with Trump? Not a lot because Spiro Agnew was a mercurial figure. He was the pit bull for the Nixon administration against the media. I mean, this is this is where the fake news thing started. Yeah, right. Was was uh, yeah, mattering nabobs of negativism. Uh, and and I were I know of this. I was young when it happened. But uh, Agnew took off after the media in Des Moines, Iowa. It was mm. the first of uh, four speeches that week, and that's not where he said nattering nabobs of negativism, but. Uh, <laughs> uh, which is still hard to say. That was a Pat yeah. Buchanan line. I don't know if you knew that, but that was Buchanan. I've, I've never even heard that line before. You, you, oh, yeah. you yeah. know more about yeah. it than I do. Uh, he, he, uh, it, look it up because he could say it. I can't really say it. But that right. that was the, the whole idea about these privileged men in their uh, offices in New York who decides what, what the news is. And it's almost humorous when you see yeah. that. It's projection. It's the, it's the same line uh, you know, again today. Um, the distinction to me is that this was a sitting vice president who, for all the bluster, crawled into court suddenly, entered a plea of nolo contendere, and was was out of office. Yeah. Um, you know, so because obviously there was something there. Right. Now, that's different than someone with the reputation of bravado like Trump. Now, now, granted, Marylanders would, would say eh, that Agnew had a pretty good opinion of himself, but Trump is a whole different level. Yeah. Plus, he's running. And so he's out of office presently, but running. So it's the middle of a political campaign. Yeah. And so it makes it even it's more unprecedented. No, it, you're right. But, it, it, but it's an interesting thing for people to remember. And I'm so glad you brought it up. It's an interesting thing to remember that um, just because they got voted in through the electoral college does not make them off limits. And again, just ask Spiro Agnew. Right. Yeah. 
Although although Nixon didn't seem to learn from it because after he got pardoned, he he seemed to have in his head that it it's not wrong if the president does it. You know, he said that in an interview. If if the yeah. president does it, it's not illegal, and uh, and that's kind of what Trump is saying now. Um, you know. But um, well, certainly with regard to the uh, the confidential documents, that's yeah. been you know you know basically as one of the aides was carrying a banker's box from Staples out of the Oval Office, uh, you know he just yeah. waved his arm and said, uh, "I I hereby declassify you." Yeah. Well, there's there's probably <laughs> a little more of a process that you would need on that, other than well, in my mind I thought I was going to do it, and and so if they didn't hear me when I said it, I guess that's their fault. Right, That's yeah, and he's incriminated himself in so many different directions on that case from what he has said publicly. One thing I, will, I also want to get in before we have to go here, mm-hmm. um, the thing – so he was kind of reprimanded a little bit about talking about the judge and his family. He he did a truth social tweet, whatever you call it, saying that you know the judge's daughter worked for Kamala Harris and – and the judge hates me and his wife hates me and all this stuff. And then then basically the judge yesterday told him, don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to I'm not going to put a gag order on you now, but don't do it again. And then he first thing he did was flew down to Mar-a-Lago and had tried to have a, a public speech and said all those things all over again. Do you see well, anything uh, developing with that? Well, the, the problem was and, and I'm not sure I have this exactly right, but the judge said. I am admonishing you from using your social media platform to make comments about the case. Yeah. Well, he didn't use his social media platform. He had a right. nationwide address. Yeah. Well, I, he, that's that's the the issue with with Mr. Trump and subtlety. Yeah. You know, I mean, the the judge saw bad behavior on social media, so he said, "Don't do that on social media." And so the response. Was oh, okay. Well, I'll just have a big old speech. Yeah, it's like he's got um, the mentality of a of a mob boss who knows how to you know never have an email out there, never have a piece of paper out there. You know, so he covers his his um, butt. Can we say that, Brett? I think we can say I think butt. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, Brett would know because he's got to get the dump button for McNeil all the time. But the, yeah. the, the, the but but it, what it comes down to is, and it's the same thing Matt and I talk about. Who has ever stopped him before? Yeah, right. No one. And and I don't know that this is going to do it. Yeah. Uh, but the thing is... And He's going to have a bad year, with, though. It seems like something's going to stop him <laughs> before well, the year's up. It might, but here, you know, if he was listening to this show, and I know he listens regularly, have someone else do the attacks. Right. Because <laughs> you're now under bond provisions in a criminal case, and that doesn't end well. Yes. Thank you so much for being on yes, with us, Jeff. We have to run. Find Jeff's books at Next Chapter Booksellers and also go see him on totallyiowa.com, the Iowa Business Report and the Iowa Politics Report. We'll talk to you, or Matt will talk to you next week, Jeff. Thanks again, and we'll come back for the second hour in a couple minutes.